Everybody turned to Nehemiah. My wife was like, you got to preach on Nehemiah. You got to do the part two. I guess she must have really liked part one. So, In the month of Nisan, verse one, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. He was a cupbearer, so this is not a servant. It's actually a trusted advisor um, to make sure that the wine wasn't poisoned. How many of you guys know you only give that job to somebody you trust? So that means Nehemiah was trustworthy. He proved himself to be trustworthy to the king. Everybody say, Nehemiah proved himself trustworthy to the king. So whenever you're, when you're reading these kind of passages, the king Artaxerxes is the king of Persia, but really is not the king we're talking about. The Lord is using this allegory to tell us about how we're, we're supposed to present ourselves to the king. You get it? So Nehemiah was positioned for favor and resources because he was proven trustworthy. How many guys? How many guys know that you can be saved but not trusted by God? Yes. How many guys know that God loves you but He may not trust you? And I've repeated this so many times, but people don't believe me. The Bible is full of stories where God takes away things because He doesn't trust people, nor does He. Or he limits promotion because the untrustworthiness of that person. It's really important to keep your heart pure and trustworthy. Prove to God that I'm trustworthy. And the only way you do that is surrender. In the valley of the shadow of death, there's a table before you. And when you can worship God and fellowship with him in your darkest times, the Lord says, I trust you. Your moment of trial is for you to prove to him, God, you can trust me. I will not deny you. It's easy to say you trust him in your favor, favorable seasons and success. It's hard to say you trust him in the valleys of the shadow of death. That's the opportunity. Though it's hard, as I get geared up, I know it's my moment to tell him, I trust you. You can trust me. I only have one life. You can trust me to expand your kingdom, to do all that you commanded me to do. You can trust me with resources. You can trust me with authority. I will not violate your name nor diminish your name in front of people. I will always give you glory. That's a good word. The king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. He was afraid because his face was not joyful. Something, the king noticed that something was wrong, and then he could be suspicious, saying, he could be thinking, well, what's wrong with him? There's, something's a little off here. He's usually trustworthy. He may not be laughing all the time, but there's like a peace about him, but there's his peace is kind of gone. He's like, he looks a little weird. Maybe the wine is poison, and that could be a dangerous thing for him. 
But he could not deny what he was feeling. I mean, how many of you guys know it's okay to grieve? But we do not grieve as the world grieves, the Bible says. We do not mourn as the world mourns. We mourn with hope. We grieve with hope. Amen, Steve. Wow. Then you go to the rest of the passage. He says, what do you want? What's wrong with you? Nehemiah says, the city of my ancestors in ruins, the walls. How can I be joyful when my city is in ruins? It's likened to if God asking you, what's wrong? Why are you grieved? Think if the Lord heard you say, how can I be joyful when the kingdom kingdom of God in Vancouver when your name is diminished in Vancouver how can I be joyful with my work and with all the blessings that I have if your name is diminished in Vancouver there's a grieving if the Lord heard that he'd be like wow what do you want to do I want to establish your kingdom in Vancouver and the Lord will say hey let me give you all the resources the authority and the access you need there was a turnaround you guys following what I'm saying? Can you guys just say amen? Amen. amen? Let's do both. Amen. Okay. So, but some people don't understand or people just kind of like forget that the king Artaxerxes, when they were building the wall, they were trying to build the wall, King Artaxerxes actually approved the anti-Jewish building efforts. He was against the building of the wall. Artaxerxes said, hey, let's not, make them, let's not let them do that. And he was for the, for the group of people that were trying to ban the building of the wall and the protection of Israel. He was against it. But then when Nehemiah comes, there was a sudden reversal. Everybody say reversal. How many guys need a sudden reversal in your life? You need it? We need a sudden breakthrough. We need, you're going in one direction and, and the world seems to say you can't have that and you need a breakthrough. There's something wrong with your body. There's something going on. Something wrong with your relationships. Something wrong with your family situation. And you've been suffering that for a long time. Understand that these people could not build a wall for 70 years. That's a long time. Long time to suffer the futility of their efforts to build something that God commanded. And they said, this is not working. They were about to give up. And Nehemiah, who's not even in the city of Jerusalem, far away, far removed, just hears about the fact that there's in ruins. His heart is grieved, and he starts to pray. How many of you guys know prayer is the beginning, the spark of all God's breakthrough? If you want a breakthrough and then you're not praying, you're not going to get the breakthrough. Somebody got to be praying. Somebody, if it's your mama, got to be praying. Your grandmother, I got saved because somebody was praying for me. My best friend, Juno, 13 years old, he said, I'm praying for your salvation. That's how I got saved. Somebody has to pray. There is a partnership that God has ordained sovereignly, 
providentially in heaven before the beginning of time that he said, I will create my people and I will partner with them to establish my will and their purposes on the earth. There's some things that will not be done if we don't pray. You say amen, but do you really believe that? Gotta pray. He began with prayer. All breakthrough happens through prayer. He was grieved. He was sad. He had to bring it to God. How many of you guys know it's okay to grieve and bring it to God? That's how we grieve. That's how we mourn. You don't grieve with your friends and call that prayer. I talked to my Christian friends and I mourned and I vented, but that's not prayer. True prayer is mourning and grieving to God, which always ends up in hope. If you're praying and there is no end point of hope, if you're not more hopeful after you prayed, you have not prayed. Somebody say, that's good. Let me repeat what I just said. If you are praying and then you, you enter grieving and you're fearful and you leave grieving and fearful you have not prayed now some people may take a longer time and you might have to do it day after day to enter into that place where you truly surrender the holy of holies the place where God is where God is the enemy cannot be present the presence of God cannot entertain dark forces come on somebody so if you are not there, if you, it means that you're still entertaining the thoughts of the enemy and you're still grieved and you're grieving as the world grieves with fear, hopelessness. That's wasting time. You've got to keep pressing in to the presence of God and the presence of God is only entered through thanksgiving and surrender. That's how you enter. Despite your circumstances, you just give thanksgiving. You just keep giving thanks. You keep surrendering. I trust you. I give you thanks. I worship you. How many of you guys know worshiping Jesus is also prayer? And I just keep singing. I keep worshiping. I keep reading the word. And I lift my hands. Surrendering to God. And I just keep praying. And there's a place when my heart is warm. It's, it's peaceful. It's resolute. I feel the love of Jesus. Doesn't have to say a word. His presence is his word. I feel good. And then I go to the hot tub. Listen to some sermons and chill. And then the enemy will attack again. Trying to in inflict information that will be contrary to what I'm feeling. Then I got to do it again. And again. And again. Amen? See... That's the evidence that you prayed. You're filled with hope. And hope is not a wish. Hope is not a gamble. Hope is not a lot. God is not the lottery. Like you put in some, you bought a ticket and you're hoping that something happens. Hope is a certainty of action by our God who is our Father. That's biblical hope. That's what we apply faith to. Faith is the action that is demonstration of our hope. You can't act in faith if you don't have hope. 
Hope is not a wish. Hope is a certainty that God will answer and he will turn out according to his will. And his will is always a good will because he's our daddy. He's our father. Trust you. So if you're not there, you haven't prayed. And you've got to pray until you get there. People ask me, are you, in, are you in denial about what's going on in your family? I'm not in denial. I understand exactly what's happening. I understand the facts of the case. I know the facts. The facts are not truth. God's truth transcends facts. I deny the enemy a chance to inflict pain on me through facts. I am denying the voice of the enemy and I'm entertaining and surrendering to the voice of truth, who is God. I trust him. Amen? So after he prays, you get some hope. He prayed for four months. It took him four months, and then he gets, he's filled with hope. He's like, this is a dire situation happening. I'm f- Man, I got I to gotta get some hope. And he goes in, he keeps praying, fasting, praying, and then there's hope, and he goes into the king's presence. Everybody say king's presence. He goes into king's presence. And the king says, what do you want? And now the question, what do you want, is probably the most important question you will have to answer in your life. What the heck do you want? What do you want? What do you want, Frank? What do you want, Elsie? What do you want, Jeremy, when you go to Japan? What do you want? What do you want? Tyler, when you build this big business, why do you, why, why do you want that? What do you want? Is the question that you're going to have to gra- grapple with for all of your life. And the, way you, and the way you answer this question will either invite the resources of God or close the resources of God. The way you answer this question will determine whether you're going to live your own life or live with God with His resources. You guys following anything that I'm saying? What do you want? And Nehemiah had the audacity. Audacity. He had the audacity. The courage. And the just like the... I don't know. There's other good words for it. I don't want to say it out loud. But there's, he had the audacity to say, let me go. He said, let me go to my land, and build a wall. And the king's laying, when, when was the last time you built the wall? That's probably his thinking. And Nehemiah's like, I'm like listening to the conversation, unspoken conversation between them. It's not written in the Bible, but it's just like they're looking at each other. Like, have you ever built a wall? Nehemiah's like, no. But I want you to provide everything I need to build a wall. The audacity, you became a cup bearer, you're like, I trust you, but you want me to trust you with money, authority, resource, and you want me to change my mind. I just told everybody I'm against the building, but you, Nehemiah, want me to change my mind 
and completely do a turnaround. And I want, you want me to give you authority, all the resources, all the timber, everything that you need to build the wall. Is that what you want me to do? And Nehemiah is like, yes. That's some pretty big, you know what I'm saying. You guys know what I'm saying? Without me saying the words? Come on, somebody. Your ability to have that kind of courage and the ability to dream that big, even though you've never had even experience. Now, God prepared him for that, but he didn't even know it. He's never even been to Jerusalem. If you pray, then you start to have hope. When you start to have hope in God, you start to dream. Evidence that you're praying. Do you guys see how it lines up? Evidence that you're praying is that you start to have hope in God. That God can do all things. That He's the God of the turnaround. And then when you start to have hope, you start to dream. The evidence that God is your Father is your ability to dream. Thanks, Josh. I thought that was good, too. Thanks, Josh. You can receive that all by yourself. That is a beautiful thing, man. For you guys, settling for your life, settling for what the world tells you, that this is what you're good for. This is what you prepare for. This is your education level. This is your credentials. It's almost like the Indian caste system. I went to this school so I can only get this job. And I went to that college. I went to, I went to, I went to a community college so I can only get this job. That is all bull crap. To be honest with you, if you want to prepare yourself, prepare yourself. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord that gives you opportunity. He's your boss. I was teaching a class this Friday, last Friday, and I had like 38 grad students. And some of them are highly educated. And they're international, and some of them have like neural, I can't even say, she said, I have a neural something, something, something degree in nano something engineering. I'm like, what's that? I don't even know what you're talking about. So she had to show me a website, and I'm like, oh, that sounds really fancy. She said, I just can't get a job here. People won't give me a chance. Because I said, the per- I was teaching them about the universal performance uh, Formula. You guys know the universal performance formula? No? Okay, you want to learn something new today? Performance is a function of A times O times M. Anybody guess what A is? No. I should be nicer. No, try again. No. Ability. A is ability. O is Opportunity, M is mobility, no, close, motivation. Performance is a function of ability, opportunity, and motivation. So you went to Harvard, you got a 10, you get a 10 out of 10 in ability, amen? So the world says. If you go to Harvard, you get a 10 out of 10 in opportunity. But you like playing video games, you don't like watching Netflix all day, you're lazy, you're not passionate about your job, your motivation level is one. One out of ten. 
10 times 10 is 100 times 1 is what? 10 times 10 is 100 times 1 is what? 100. Now, if you live in Africa, I gave you an opportunity to go to university. Mediocre university. So the world says your ability is about 5. Opportunity, you probably have like 2 out of 10. Very little opportunity. That's 5 times 2 is 10. But your motivation level is 10. Because some of the students that we sponsor, they don't even eat. Some of them sleep on the grass to go to school to graduate with engineering degrees. Their motivation level is high. Amen? Five times two times ten is what? One hundred. So that guy's performance is the same as that Harvard graduate. But if I give this, this African kid just a little bit more opportunity, like instead of two, four, four out of ten, that's 20 times 10, 200. That African kid graduated in some un remote university in Africa will perform two times better than that kid from Harvard. That's why I'll choose that kid from Africa with high motivation any day because it's really hard to infuse motivation and give anybody ability and opportunity. So this woman, you guys learned something about I just feel like I taught a class today. You guys, so this woman came up to me and said, well, nobody gives me an opportunity. And then some of the class, his class her, my classes, some of her peers were saying, that's true, because we're from internationals. We, even though we have amazing degrees, it's not the same as these degrees, and so we don't get an opportunity. And, they, and then I said, but you know, I said, you want to know the secret? And they're like, yes, tell us a secret. How do we get more opportunity? I said, you guys are religious, right? You guys believe in God? And they're like, many of them are Muslims and some other Hindu and all that. I said, you guys believe in God? And they're like, yes. You go to Trinity Western University, which is a Christian university. Yes. So you know I'm a Christian. They're like, yes. And I said, my boss is God. The opportunities that I get is not because of man. It's because of God. At any moment, he'll give me an opportunity. I just prepare myself for that opportunity, and I trust him. And they're like, prove it. And so I told them all these stories, and they're like, wow. That really happened to you? And I said, yeah. I didn't even ask my wife to marry me. And they're like, what? Your wife asked you? And I said, no. Her father asked me to marry her. They were like, no. My classes are fun. They're like, mind blown. I can't believe that. I said, because I position myself and I trust the Lord that God will give me the woman of my dreams. Is anybody listening to the words coming out of my mouth? If you pray to the Lord of heaven, who is your father, you must have hope. And if you have hope that God can do all things, then you must be able to dream. It's impossible to know the Father who is your daddy and not dream. You need to have some audacity. You can't settle for just, oh, I'm going to go to Japan. Just give us a church of like 10. That's the average size of a church in Japan. That's, a big, that's 10 people, 20 people. That's a mega church in Japan. Did you guys know that? Do you guys know that? 
A church in Japan with about 20 people will be a huge church. And you got some young people in there. Wow, you made it. Elsie, how big is your church? We got 10 people, and five of them are young. Wow, you made it. That's Japan. And and Elsie will be like, that will be our goal. That will be the standard. Because for all these years, 70 to 100 years, that has been the standard in Japan. That's been the standard. And if Nehemiah followed the standard, he would say, let me just build a section of the wall. Just a little section. Nobody could even do this section. Let me just do a section. But the Nehemiah said, give me the whole dang thing. I'm going to build a whole wall. So if you know the Father, if you know who, he, who you are worshiping, if he is your daddy and you're praying to him, the God of all hope, that can change all situations, that Japan, they say, is the worst country in the world to evangelize. I just talked to a colleague who used to be a missionary in Japan. He said to me, it's the darkest country in the whole thinking world. And you listen to that. That's the enemy. That's the facts. But there is a truth. And the truth says that God transcends facts and that he is giving you the ability to dream. I'm prophesying to you guys right now because I want to be a part of that. Please let me be a part of what you're going to do. You're going to let me be a part of what you're going to do? Don't reject me. I don't like rejection. Let's pray for these guys. For Rain City, I'm not saying you have to do Rain City, but like something... DNA of Rain City in Japan, and it starts to blow up and changes the nation of Japan. Why don't you go for the whole dang thing? That's courage. That's the audacity. That's when you start dreaming. That's when you know you tapped into the heart of God. You guys don't pray. You guys don't, you guys don't pray, and you guys don't persevere, and you pray to God like you're praying for a meal. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. You got to pray like God's going to do something amazing through a surrender life. Pray, hope, dream. And then when you start dreaming, then you start to ask yourself the right question. God, what do I need to do? Prepare myself for that. Or how am I prepared to do that? You start asking, you guys put it all backwards. You know what I just gave the whole thing? You put it backwards. First thing you ask yourself after graduation is, what do I have? What credentials I got? What do I have to do? It's all backwards. You're pulling, you're, you're a cart and you're pulling the horses instead of the horse pulling you. Everything starts with a heart for Jesus, for the kingdom. You start to be infused with hope that anything can happen in your life. You start to dream big dreams. God starts to give you resources and favor, opens, start, opens doors for your life. How many guys want favor? God to open doors. You, do, you really want it? People who want favor accept responsibility. People ask me, you want, you want the city? Yes. Do you want the responsibility of stewarding the city? That's a big job. You've got to sit down and say yes and count the cost. 
You want that? You want that surrender life? You want those dreams fulfilled? Then you surrender your life and say, what do I need to do? What are you doing? What do I need to do? And then you start to understand how you are made and how you are designed for such a time as this. Can you show that picture that I drew? You guys notice that I, I, I like drawing pictures now? <laughs> Sorry. Can we buy like a little whiteboard so I can start drawing pictures? You guys don't even know what this is all about. <laughs> that top thing is, it looks like a little animal, but that top thing is a mountain. I don't have artistic abilities. But I try. There's a mountain with an ice cap. And the ice melts, according to Psalm 33. How good, and, how good it is when brothers dwell in unity is like the dew flowing from Aaron's beard to the church, to the feet. So it's like a symbol of God's favor and anointing. And then the ice melts and it starts to flow down. This is my life. Everything flows from intimacy with God. All things come from your relationship with Jesus. And it flows and it starts to go into this big world called the kingdom. Your life is going to be used in the kingdom. You cannot be in the presence of God and then separate yourself into a kingdom of Steve. You cannot build your own kingdom and be intimate with God. Can somebody say yes? yes. Cannot. It's impossible. You're drinking from the wrong mountain. If you're drinking from the mountain of God and you're, you're in intimacy with the Lord Jesus, you understand the Father, you understand His desire, you are at the Father's business and His business is your business. You're not a slave. You're a son and a daughter of God. You cannot help but to flow into the kingdom of God and change the world. That is my firm belief. Cannot. Stop acting like a slave. Start acting like sons and daughters of God. Slaves wait for somebody to tell them to do something. We all have a slave mentality. Even at church, somebody, I don't know, nobody asked me to do this. You guys understand what I'm saying? A son and a daughter comes into a business and says, this is my father's business. What do I need to do to make this happen? What do I need to do to make this better? How can I give my resources to make this business better? That's why Jesus said, why are you looking for me? I'm at the father's business. It's time to be at the father's business. That's when your life is going to flourish. That's a good word, Steve. That's the end. That's, that's all for today. Why don't we stand? I think the word that I preached today is a lot better than the response that I got from you guys, but it's okay. The Spirit, the Spirit will speak to you when you go home. I'm not insecure. Becca's like, we're listening, we're listening. 
said that the whole time we're coming back from, <laughs> we're going to Reading. I said, you know, people don't react this well. We were Asians, I guess. And then she's like, no, we're listening. We're listening. She's always like, we're listening to everything, Steve. I'm like, okay. I'm glad. I think the word that I, I think the message I preached today, you might want to hear it again. A lot of people are missing from church because of sickness. I'm sick too, but I'm here. Might need to hear that again. Because I think it has the capacity to change your life. There's something in there that could change your life. Sometimes you got to listen to it more than once. Amen. Just put your hand on your heart. Close your eyes. Put your hand on your head. So one hand on your heart and one hand on your head. Just the hand on your heart is your, your act of surrender, giving your whole heart to Jesus. Heart, the place of your decision. Give your heart to Jesus. Commit yourself to prayer. Thanksgiving and surrender is the entrance point to prayer. Just surrender everything to Him. Pray to Him. Then He'll give you, start giving you hope. And when you start hoping, it's time to dream. I'm going to, cha- I'm going to pray for your minds that you start dreaming again. You won't settle for what the world tells you you should settle for. I feel like some of you are settling. You're trying to settle in a land that God did not give you. Some of you are pursuing goals and dreams and jobs that God did not ordain for you. <clears throat> and let me tell you, that's a life of dissatisfaction and ultimate misery. Because you are not doing what you were designed for. To find out what you're designed for is the time to give your life to the kingdom. It all begins with a big surrender. And openness to do whatever He calls you to do. Ask Him to give you a passion for His kingdom. Open your eyes to see what's happening. Give you all the glory. We give you all the glory, Jesus. We love you. We surrender our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's praise the Lord.